Were you Zoom bombed? Yeah, that's a thing. People have been Zoom bombed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's there are a lot of, you know, prank videos online showing people doing relatively harmless stuff like putting the little siblings into their Zoom Zoom classes, right? Um, but, yeah, like there's, there's definitely more sinister routes that one could take uh, if they wanted to exploit the vulnerabilities behind Zoom. Um, you know, I, I don't have much information on the pedophile example that you mentioned, but, you know, if your company has trade secrets and you're having a confidential meeting and somebody makes their way into your Zoom meeting or intercepts the video feed, you're, you're in a lot of hot trouble. And, you know, there's, there's major organizations that are using Zoom. I mean, BU's a prime example, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot of confidential meetings that don't need to be made public that are going on Zoom. Yeah. How how easy do you think it is for somebody to just like take your information, you know? Cuz I mean, I don't know, you like to think that like your your data is secure, but like how for like a hacker, how 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 easy do you think it would be for them to just get that sort of information? Well, with the current focus on data security or lack thereof, I would say for a majority of the population, it's very easy. I mean, take, okay, this, this is going to be controversial right now. And Jeff Bezos is probably going to be very unhappy with me if he <laughs> ever watches this podcast. But take Amazon Echo, right? You're paying Amazon money to put a device in your home that listens to everything that you say 24-7 and transmit it back to Amazon headquarters, right? And as long as there's no major scandal involving this, who knows how long it's going to continue. I mean, a team – now, don't take this verbatim, but I remember reading a recent study where a bunch of hackers from MIT – were playing around with an Amazon Echo and without injecting any malicious code or tinkering around with the, with the hardware at all, they were able to hijack the audio feed and redirect it to their own servers so that everything that, everything that was recorded by Alexa was written down on a, a text pad, uh, on, on a notepad and stored. So they could just control F anything that you said and pull it all up on their screen. And this this wasn't you know uh, this wasn't a hack that they deployed. This was just a simple vulnerability that was built into the Amazon Echo system. Now this was promptly patched, but it just goes to show how little these companies care about your. This sounds like like Big Brother. This sounds like something you would read in like a George Orwell book. Just like a little device in your home that's always listening. That's freaky. Like what the what is that? Well, I think that's the world that we live in now, right? Every time you buy, I mean, my father was was in the market for a uh, affordable tablet recently, and we were looking at all the tablets on the market, and you know. In the tablet mark, in the affordable Android tablet market, nothing was really more affordable than the Amazon Fire tablet. 
But when you read the fine print, you'll notice that there's a disclaimer that says comes with special offers. And when you think about it, what does special offers mean? Does, does it mean that they're giving me discounts? No, special offers means that they're giving you a discount on these devices with the caveat that they get to harvest your personal information, kind of how Google does, but without telling, uh, but without telling you, and then showing you advertisements on your homepage, on your suggested apps, just constantly bombarding you with advertisements based upon the information that they've gathered about you. You know, we've become so desensitized to general advertising that advertisers are looking for more, should I say, invasive and insidious routes of garnering your attention, right? All this, all your search results, all your asks to Alexa, they're all harvested, data mined, and then sent to advertisers so that they can advertise to you. And with Amazon, it's integrated into the very core of their devices. Most of their Fire tablets are sold with software written directly into their version of uh, Android that allows them to advertise directly to you. And that's, that's not when you're searching the web. That's not when you're using an app. It's just when you turn the device on, you know, if you're, if you're checking, if you're checking your messages, if you're checking your email, suddenly you'll yeah. see a pop-up that says, Hey, uh, why don't you, why don't you try this app? Why don't you, uh, why don't you buy this new smart refrigerator? We heard you were in the market. Why, why not this one? So you just, yeah. Okay. So when I hear this information, it makes me think that how, like if they're already doing this now, how would it look like in say 50 years, you know, when, when things continue to progress the way they are you know do you do you think that there would be a time you know where you know companies are are selling all of this information to like the government and and the government is on always listening and like monitoring you and seeing if you're like being like a good citizen and it becomes more like almost like a one world order kind of thing well that's the thing i um i've been studying data security and one of the things that concerns me is, you know, the U.S. government's infringement upon personal privacy. On one hand, they're pressuring, uh, they're pressuring technology companies to build in back doors to their products and services so that Big Brother can come in and just pull your records. And that's not necessarily with, you know, through official channels like a subpoena or a court order, but just going in through the back door and looking at whatever they want. Now, nothing that you do on the internet is ever truly private unless you go through a lot of work to make sure that it is private. But, you know, with net neutrality falling by the wayside lately and more and more surveillance going on than ever, it's, it's really concerning. I mean, if you look at Snapchat, if you look at Facebook, you know, geotagging pictures, people are just giving away information for your average social media user who is not savvy with protecting their personal information. It's pretty easy to find out where they live, what all of their phone numbers, their email addresses. Um, do you think that like having, do you think this is the cost of what our, our platforms are because everything is free? Do you think like, 
you know, at the cost of Facebook and the and Twitter and Instagram, YouTube, all these these free platforms that we use online, um, do you think this is? Do we think we? Do you think we deserve this this cost of privacy for this free platform? Uh, you know, platform. You know, internet platform. Well, you know, there's there's an age old adage that I think is very apt, and it's that there's no free lunch, right? If you're not paying for a product, that's not the product. You you're are the, the pro product. yeah, you are the product. Yeah, and you know, now even if you are paying for the platform, that does not necessarily mean that you are protected, right? Zoom is you know, it's free to use, but it's not free to all. There's, they're, they're, um, their paid and premium plans can get pretty pricey, but, you know, as evidenced by the recent, uh, as evidenced by the recent class action lawsuits alleging major data breaches, you know, paying for something doesn't necessarily mean that you're home clear in this day and age. And that's, that's what's terrifying to me. Yeah. It's unsettling for sure. Well, terrifying and exciting. Cause I'm, you know, my, my dream job right now is being, uh, what's known as a physical penetration tester. And <laughs> okay. No, hold on, hold on, no, 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 you can't just do that. You can't just like, can't just, you can't, no, you can't do that. You can't, that can't be your transition. Well, I want to be a, a, a penetrator guy. And just expect me not to follow up on that question. What? Explain. Well, well, yeah. What is what is this? What is this thing you're talking about? This job? Well, it's not what it sounds like. All right. I I don't plan on starting my adult career anytime soon. But oh, you'd be great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I give off that image. But physical penetration testing is sort of like the intersection of working with you know, technical data security that's working with machines, that's working with, you know, encryption and, you know, looking out for the latest malware. And Damn, I think when, I have a tech boner right now. <laughs> just, just a little? Just a little tech boner right now, damn. <laughs> but physical penetration is taking it a step further, right? It's where these companies and governmental organizations pay you good money to walk in to their branches and physically break in. And most of the time, this doesn't involve putting on a ski mask and smashing windows. That's called destructive entry. The scope of most physical penetration work is just walking in, talking to a couple of employees, right? And socially engineering them or manipulating them into plugging in a USB drive with a Trojan in it or um, convincing someone who works there that you also work there and getting them to let you into the back room so that you can fiddle with the locks and then come back later that night and just clean the place out. And to me, that kind of works exciting because it's not necessarily a high tech, which I personally am not an expert in, but it's more exploiting the human element. And what exactly is the human element? You know, it's, it's your employees, right? Like you, there's a lot of situations that are out of the norm that <clears throat> you wouldn't necessarily think to train your employees to respond to, 
that can be exploited. <clears throat> I mean, there's there's this guy that I look up to. His name is Deviant Olam. And I believe he was in Turkmenistan working uh, working a job for the I've, government. I've never heard of Turkmenistan before. I think that might be a fake country. Tiny country. Tiny country uh, in, um, what is it? Tiny country oh. <laughs> Eastern Eastern okay. Asia, uh, no Western Asia, right up in the mountains, um, near Azerbaijan, and uh, what else? I gotta learn my geography. It's it's like under it's like under Russia, but anyway, so he walks in, and he's wearing a shirt that says hacker on it. Gurban Guli. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at the name of the the president of Turkmenistan. Gurban Guli. Gurban Guli. What a what a what a great first name. <laughs> sorry, I killed your flow. My God. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> well, I I might be getting my stories mixed up here, but the general gist of the story. So what what inspired you to become uh, a penetrator? Um, data, what a data tech, I don't know, something sexy, well, penetrator thing. What made you, what, what made you decide to be that? Well, what other job allows you to get paid to break into places and steal shit without any repercussions whatsoever? I mean, you technically have. Well, what encouraged you to be that? What encouraged you to be the penetrator guy? You know, what intrigued you to be that particular? Well, on one hand, I've always been obsessed with personal security, whether that's, you know, your home, whether that's your data security, whether that's the security of your data. Mm. Um, but also, I just, I'm obsessed with people. I like figuring out what drives them, what makes them tick. Um, and getting to know them, and I think uh, I think that there's a lot of both interests that can be combined when you're working in this field, and you know you pair that up with the adrenaline rush of being somewhere that you're not technically supposed to be, and I think uh, I think that's a dream job. Yeah, yeah I can agree with that. So how have how how have you? Um real quick um how have you been since the pandemic you know because like we we were at a karaoke bar that wednesday before break and uh you know just like winning our third consecutive karaoke title for the, you know story for another day um but after that you know it was spring break and then we can't you know and then everything just like shuts off Everything just—it's <laughs> like I, I don't know, man. There's a there's a clear correlation between, you know, when we dropped, when we left, and you know, claimed our third championship, to now. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think I think the universe just realized that nobody would ever top us singing, uh, <laughs> "Country Roads" by John Denver. Yes. In in a pub full of drunk college students, and it was just like, you know what? This is it. It's over. Everybody go home. No one will ever top this. And everything just got shut down. I think I think that's 
that's the reality of what happened. Um, it's it's not it's not some sort of government hoax. It's not coronavirus isn't you know it isn't something that came out of a cave full of bats. It, it was the universe saying, you know what, these guys are undefeated, and that's that. Shut up, Louie. Everybody knows that it's a bioweapon created <laughs> by the Chinese, dude. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's because it's it's just because somebody uh somebody... No, sh shut up, Louie. It's 5G. 5G. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5G. It's hey, the man. cell towers, man. They're tapping into us. They're radiating us. They're cooking us. Okay, okay, mister. We all know it's because we haven't been drinking enough bleach and fish tank cleaner. That's That's the real reason, all right? No, I, I think, no, real talk though, um, how do you, what do you, I don't know, what's, what's your timeline? Because, you know, like we had, we, all jokes aside, we had the karaoke um, and then we, we didn't see each other and then we, you know, we left and then, you know, spring break came and, um, you know, we had to go home. So like, what's your timeline from, from when you got home or like shortly before you came home to like now and what you've been doing? Well, I I figured break rolled around that we're facing a cat, category five shitstorm. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to laugh. Kind of selfishly, I uh, I decided to have one last hurrah. So I flew down to Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, you know, did all the typical Bur Bourbon Street stuff, ate crawfish, sang karaoke. Danced on top of a few bars. Um, yeah, water <laughs> under the bridge. Yeah, uh, and then flew down to Florida, where uh, I took a swamp tour and got to hold a baby alligator. So, yeah, a little more partying down in Florida, and then I decided that it was time to go home. Now, what I wasn't expecting was for BU to tell us that Hey, you got two days to uh, move everything out of your dorm, um, and mail us back your keys because you're you're not coming back. And that was terrifying, but thanks to you, Mr. Jameson, that was taken care of. Um, they still haven't mailed me back my stuff like they said they would, but here's hoping that they do the right thing, um, guys. Crossing our fingers. I, I know you're listening. Come on. Come on, BU. I know you're listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I think the government's listening to our podcast. They're hearing <laughs> what we're saying. Yeah, I mean... They like to keep tabs on us, which is why everyone's so poli politically correct on campus. But as you can tell, I'm wearing Crocs. I've taken a... Crazy guy. I give no fucks. So do the right thing, guys. Put the shoe... Put the sock on the foot. Don't, don't, don't put the sock in the foot. You can do this, guys. Is that a real analogy? I've never heard that before. No, but it seems apt for how they've handled this whole coronavirus thing. First it was, you have two days, and then it was, you have a week. And then it was like, oh, don't come back to campus. We'll pack your stuff up. Oh, yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing, so wait three months. It's, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a mess, honestly. Yeah. I think the whole virus itself has been kind of a mess. Like, you know, like first it was like just a small little virus, something that was going to go away in April. It's a little small little thing. 
and then it turned into like oh well you know people will get infected but it's like you know it's it'll it'll pass and then now it's just like what's the world gonna look like after this thing you know it's crazy how it's changed and how do you i mean how do you envision like the next couple months like what are you more optimistic that things are going to get better or are you kind of just like this shit's about to get even crazier see i think i think we've been very nonchalant about this whole situation from the very start <laughs> well boss it's been nice knowing you <laughs> but um I think we've been very nonchalant about this with the whole start, you know. Back uh, back in early November, doctors were already warning the Chinese government about how serious COVID-19 was. And, you know, they were pretty much threatened into silence and sometimes imprisoned. And, you know, then our dear president shut down air travel uh, to, you know, my timeline's pretty mixed, but they started restricting air travel from foreign countries in Asia, I think in late. It was late February, pretty sure. Late February. But the thing is, if, if we had responded a lot sooner, we could have shut this down. But with how contagious it is, it's it's out of control. I mean, a lot of, the reports that I've read have cited the possibility of this becoming a seasonal disease, kind of like the flu, coming around year after year. Do you think it'll be as dead, still as deadly? I mean, after there's a vaccine, of course. Well, I think the major problem right now is that since it's so new and there's nothing like it, nobody has any uh, immune response to it kind of like how smallpox decimated the uh, how smallpox decimated the Amer indigenous American community communities apologies but I think uh, I think once it's made its rounds it might get a little less severe but compared to the seasonal flu it's still a far more insidious disease right it rips holes in the lungs of healthy young people um who have no history of previous illness um or smoking and well i think another thing is that it's asymptomatic so you can be carrying it infecting other people without even knowing that you're sick which is so weird like i think that's the biggest thing you can just have it and not even know it's like well that's that's the most insidious part of this whole thing you know there's there's no way of knowing definitively whether you have it or not, unless you get tested. Some people go to the hospital, go to the ER and are unable to breathe and other people don't feel a thing, but they can still. And some still people, and some people don't go to the hospital because they can't afford it. Welcome to America. That's how it is in America. It's so ridiculous. Like, if you if you don't have enough, ugh, don't even get me started, man. I I I, I I'm America's healthcare is so dumb. It's so See, dumb. See, per 
say, personally, I'm in the camp that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Um, there could potentially be a vaccine coming out next year, but my money's on it taking at least two years because vaccine development is a lengthy process. And what really pisses me off is how a lot of people, especially the, the COVID-19 protesters all over America, either believe that COVID-19 is a complete hoax or are downplaying you know, the, the severity of the disease. And they're downplaying it so much that they're crediting, the, they're not crediting the, uh, the measures that we've taken to prevent the, the further spread of this disease. You know, they're, they're saying, oh yeah, you know, our jobs are essential to us. We, we need to get out there and open things back up for the sake of the economy. Like, huh. yeah. like they think the economy is worth- it's More important than human life. And it's not even just like the protesters, it's like the government itself. You know, it's like, as soon as the, as soon as the billionaires stopped, you know, started losing money, that's when everyone was pushing to reopen the economy. Because before it was about flattening the curve. You know, that's how, that's why we started social distancing. We, we did it so we could flatten the curve. So, you know, if we do this for like, you know, eight to 10 weeks, it's, it flattens the curve. But they didn't want to commit to it long term because of how badly it affects. You know, I mean, it affects everybody, no doubt. But now it affects the billionaires because they don't get their money back. Oh yeah. Well, let's talk about government incompetence for a second. For a second, I mean, we had a response team for this. We had a global pandemic response team, and that was dismantled fairly recently, I believe. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, and now, you know, we have our dear Lord President Donald Trumpel-Stiltskin going on the news, insinuating. Now, mind you, he didn't explicitly tell people to go inject bleach and drink fish tank cleaner, but he did insinuate at the possibility of that being a valid response. And uh, there have been reports of people reporting to the ER with severe poisonings and uh, dying as a result, as, as a combination of their own inability to read warning labels and taking what he has to say at absolute face value without any further thought or consideration. Yeah, I've noticed a, a lack of leadership throughout the U.S. government. A lot of blame. You could blame Trump a lot of it. He's a, he's a big blame, but you could also blame, you know, like house majority leaders. You could blame the Senate, you know, our government has failed us and it's our responsibility to, to fight for what we deserve, you know, instead of just, instead of just taking it, you know, how long have we been galvanized by this stuff, you know, like minimum wage staying the same or you know not even just that like how long we've just been as as the wealth gap gets hot gets worse and student loan debt gets worse and healthcare people are you know five hundred thousand people go bankrupt from medical bills it's ridiculous why are we going to continue doing this there's so many things in our politics that all americans want or a very large majority, like we're talking like 
90% of America. We all agree that money and politics are disgusting. not good for the people. If we want a true democracy, we got to get money out of politics. And then, you know, there's so many, it's just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated about this stuff. You know, me too. It, it really kills me how a lot of what politics has become is just elected officials becoming mouthpieces for these large corporate interests with the money and clout to, to buy lobbyists. And these lobbying firms basically run Congress. They do run Congress. Yeah. And, you know, we... We, we live we live in a system where you know just a lobbyist just mentioning to an elected official that there might be a possibility that there might be a future at their lobbying firm for them is enough to just sway that politician completely to that interest side and it tears me up but i really don't know if there's a better alternative to the system because when you have when you have a democracy it's incredibly hard to make sure that everybody has an equal voice right it's and i'm i'm no expert on government or politics um, but i do see what's not working and what we have right now really isn't working it's not working for every it's not working for anybody it's only working for you know 10% of the population and meanwhile yeah. 90% are suffering yeah and our our healthcare system is so broken and fragmented that we weren't able to mount any sort of adequate response until months after the critical period of this pandemic here's the thing that drives me insane now i i i I'm in the East Coast, and I had a friend. His mom was showing symptoms of the virus, somebody who had pre-existing conditions, and she went to try to get a test. And not only did they deny her, but if she had to take a test, they were going to charge her $300 to take a COVID-19 test. Now tell me if that makes any sense whatsoever. We're in a pan we're in a pandemic. We're trying to, you know, lessen the spread of this deadly virus. And rather than just giving the country, you know, free tests for someone who might test positive, infect, you know, tens of other people who infect tens of other, you know, thousands of people, instead they they not only deny you but they charge you. How? What? That makes no sense. Am I bug? Ugh. I think that's a perfect example of how capitalism sometimes shoots itself in the foot, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't hate capitalism, but I hate how people in the U.S. seem to think that capitalism is a one-size-fits-all glove. I mean, I think that capitalism and healthcare are two things that absolutely should not mix, right? You know, when it comes to a public service, a public good, 
that's necessary for people, it should not be controlled by investors and stakeholders who hold a vested interest in making a profit, right? I mean, COVID-19 is something that affects everyone. And we see that now clearly, but that whole debacle over the lack of testing at the onset of this incident was absolutely unacceptable. I mean, we had, Germany had a functioning test months before we did. And the CDC refused to allow its use in the US due to their high standards, right? Which led to them coming up with a few tests months later that turned out to be defective and gave false positives, which also led all these private health healthcare groups to come up with their own tests to uh, of varying qualities, mind you, <clears throat> to uh, then charge the average citizen exorbitant amounts to get tested, which I think definitely hampered efforts to control this thing. Well, you mentioned like uh, the virus affects everybody. Well, it brings me back to like, you know, an issue that's been a, a problem in our, in our world for, for years, like climate change, for example, how, you know, when things, if we stay our, our the path that we're on, you know, in 10 years time, we'll have, we'll be to the, uh, point of no return and yet we don't move on from it because it's like it's expensive to or it's like you know it would be difficult to adapt to but it's really just because the people in power don't want to don't they're they're bought out by the oil companies and and you know people who are huge polluters and in, in you know in in how they produce things and you know that's why we haven't progressed in that and that's something that could affect everybody it can affect humanity that's a big fucking deal well i think i think that's part of it right um certain powers and interests that would lose out from enacting more uh environmentally friendly practices as law and industry standard but i also think that i also think that we are all to blame as well <clears throat> i mean let's face it people are people are lazy people tend and you know i'm i'm speaking generalities here at this point but people are lazy people are selfish and we want cheap products from china we want we we don't want to pay 50 we don't want to pay $50 for a shirt because it's good for the environment. We want to pay 50. We want to pay a hundred dollars for a shirt because Kanye got a few bullet holes shot in it. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think what we've done, you know, it we're becoming more cognizant of it now. Um, as I'm sure you've noticed on the East coast, in Boston, especially, there's there's almost nobody giving out plastic straws. It's all these shitty paper straws that turn into a mush within three seconds yeah, of taking your first sip. They're so dumb. But, paper straws are the dumbest thing. Yeah, but that's that's a drop in the bucket considering what we've done, right? We're poisoning we're poisoning the rivers in India, Indonesia, and China. Um, the the rivers in the U.S. are still 
significantly polluted from ongoing pollution. You know, 3M was, 3M just settled a class action lawsuit where they released, um, they released potentially carcinogenic chemicals into public water supplies for over 10 years and paid big money to keep it quiet. Um, you know, you, unless, unless you're a serious nerd, you probably don't even know about the thousands of species of freshwater mussels that live in all of our rivers that basically, basically keep our rivers clean, but they're dying off in, in hordes. And, uh, I believe, I believe that, um, 80%. Wow. I really should have, I really should have looked up the numbers again because I, uh, I read this. Paper. I forgot. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? There's, there's, there's a, so there's a humongous ecosystem. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the mussels, they're dying out in, in you know, large quantities. Yeah. And this is, this is bad for the rivers. Um, and here's the thing. Nobody knows, but it's generally attributed to pollution. Pollution and disease, and uh, without these mussels, the entire ecosystems of these rivers go into whack, right? Fish eat the mussels. The mussels keep the algae under control, so all the fish are dying and the rivers are getting overrun by algae, um, which is not good for the people who depend on the mussels. Um, some of those mussels are used commercially in the production of fake pearl products, but that's, that's getting impacted too. And, you know, you might think, ah, oh, great. So a, a few species of mussels that nobody even eats are going extinct. What's the big deal? Well, it's, it's an example of how these tiny things are building up, are building up until eventually we'll take a look back at what we've done. Go. You know, I, I had a famous, well, I shouldn't say famous because like, I don't know, a hundred people watch this show, but um, I had a sh my very first episode, I mentioned like that half the population should die and that would solve climate change. No, um, we don't need to, seven, half, half the population doesn't need to die. We just need people to adapt. It's less about like, you know, the the population of the planet. We just need to like be smarter with how we how we execute, you know, instead of fucking polluting it with fucking, you know, coal mines and fucking nuclear energy and like shit that's just not going to last. We got to, we got to think ahead. We got to think about like, you know, bigger, bigger ideas, ways that we could, you know, feed, you know, billions of people, you know, while also not fucking up the entire planet. Because the way we're, the course that we're on now is that, we're going to burn the planet up and then fucking all the ecosystems will burn and then fucking the systems that are alive are going to be hungry and not have any fucking food to eat because all of them are dead. And then what the what are we going to do then when all the animals are dead and all the icebergs are dead and we're fucking burning and there's fucking massive hurricanes constantly and there's massive fucking storms and shit. We're going to die, too. What a collision course for fucking extinction. Well, I, I think I think what we're doing right now is far too little too late. I mean, you have optimists like Elon Musk, but for me, I think uh, 
I think if we're all screwed anyway, might as well uh, drive your big SUVs, spray aerosol cans at the ozone layer, and just have a jolly good time until we all spiral into flames. No, 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 no. That's not a good idea. We should. We have time to fix this. I mean, think about how much emissions have been cut for just people chilling out and just not, you know, going out and polluting and just being terrible, you know? Well, I think I think that as you know, as a global community, what we what we humans lack is foresight, right? This this whole COVID nineteen thing could have been prevented, but had we done it in time, but we didn't. We just we sat back and watched as the opportunity flew right by. And I think the same has already happened with climate change and environmental destruction, but on a much larger scale and within a different time frame. I, I mean, the gears are already in motion. It's just going to take a while for the curtains to come crashing down. Yeah, it's more of less like a cloud that's over us rather than a storm. You know what I mean? Like it's just something that's looming and, and building. But when it comes, it's going to be a lot worse than, I mean, I shouldn't compare because they're both tragedies, but you know like it's it's gonna be pretty shitty when billions of people die because we didn't act on things we've known about for 50 years 60 years at that point like it's gonna be pretty shitty we're gonna be scrambling for result for solutions and then the solutions won't will be too little too late and just billions of people will just die that'll happen if we don't change that's what's gonna happen and that's uh, that's why you should enjoy it while you can. Buy buy a <laughs> buy a Hummer. Um, buy a Hummer. You know, you know what I, I learned a couple of years ago? That Hummers are like originally from like the army. They're like a, I believe there was a Hummer a truck from the army. Yeah, they were they were designed to be dropped off of airplanes and parachuted to uh, hostile environments. That's sick. That's cool. I'm yeah, but... right <laughs> um, yeah. Now they're for uh, now they're for guys who have um, issues in the masculinity department who don't mind getting six miles per gallon. <laughs> um, you know, I real so a couple of days ago there was fireworks in my neighborhood, and I realized that fireworks are like pretty stupid in concept. You know, because like you're really just looking. It's like it's like as if this little part of your area is getting bombed, but it looks pretty. And granted, nothing is actually being bombed, but like you just are lighting off actual bombs in the sky, and then it's just colorful. <laughs> Everyone's just, oh wow, these can't. Oh wow, these are nice fireworks. Oh man, I love Fourth of July. <laughs> but you're just watching colorful bombs. I think there's a primal satisfaction to doing that, right? Humans have always been very delicately intertwined with fire. It's it's what's allowed the rise of civilizations. And, you know, just being able to being able to light a fuse and have something go into the sky and go boom. That's 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 something that's something innate to mankind, I think. Speaking about things in the sky, um Unidentified flying objects. Uh, apparently, they they're real. After all these 
for all the tinfoil and you know all the all the pop culture uh ufos are real i mean we haven't met aliens but nasa confirmed that three videos um that were brought to their attention the the object in question were unidentified flying object they did not there was no an encounter but this technology was bizarre after all these years ufos are real they just kind of tinkered it past after all these years do you think that they do you think they've known about this for a lot longer and they're just finally letting it out now because everything's hitting the fan it's like fuck it we might as well give them the ufo argument no more. They're 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 holding out information now. They're just like, no, no, no. There's something there. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of the rare instances <clears throat> where we've actually received official acknowledgement of unidentified flying objects. But we're not. You know, I don't think anyone at this point is quite sure of what they are, except for those who do, of course. Um. Imagine if, okay, think about if aliens actually did land on Earth. What if they're, like, attractive? I know we shouldn't <laughs> think about this, but, like, well, what if we go down and they're just, like, I don't know, literally what we look like, but green? <laughs> Is there going to be, like, a weird complex? I know, it's just weird things I think about. Like, what if these aliens that we're talking about, they come down and they're just, like, they're nice, you know? They're attractive. And you know, are we going to be scared of I, I don't know, because like when I think about like a, a foreign... Not that I think that this is actually going to happen. Not that I, I, I genuinely think this. But with all the possibilities that aliens could be, what if they are attractive? We don't even know. Well, think about racism, right? If there's one thing I've learned about racism and how we treat members of our own species, it's that the weirdness is really going to hit the fan <laughs> if aliens were to land. I mean, they're not even human. Like, <clears throat> can you imagine the green fever? Right, we already have yellow fever. Oh, my God, it's a hot Asian chick. <laughs> can you imagine the green fever? But I, I really think it's a little premature, no pun intended, to uh, – well, actually, pun sort of intended, but not a very good pun. Um. I think it'd be a little premature to attribute these unidentified flying objects to aliens necessarily. I mean, if you think about the development of the SR-71 Blackbird, um, world's fastest plane, um, that that entire project was kept in secret until the the end of the Cold War. And I think it was only declassified in the early 2000s. I mean, that that was an unidentified flying object for a really long time as well. Um, really cool, by the way. I mean, they, they so built what you're the... saying is that the aliens are working for the government. What I'm saying is there might not be aliens at all. Or... <laughs> Maybe we're the aliens. Maybe we are. Or if you think about it, I mean, there's a few possibilities for why we don't have documented contact with aliens, right? I mean, with how big the universe is, is it really feasible that we're entirely alone? Or is it that we 
came into existence too early and too late, and all the other alien species, intelligent alien species, either a haven't been born yet, or already died out before we came into existence, or simply just don't have the technology to reach us. What if we are aliens from, you know, billions and billions of years in the past, but we were so terrible on our own planet somewhere else that uh, other aliens came, wiped our memory, and shipped us to Earth to restart. <laughs> and they left behind, I don't know, like the Bible or something. Like, <laughs> like yes, be good. Be... be do it. Do something moral. <laughs> I mean, I really don't know what to say to that because I don't know if writing a book with command with with uh, that instructs us not to uh, wear mixed garments or eat shellfish is necessarily the work of an advanced alien species, right? If you rape, oh no, that was just a that was just a little thing in there. I don't mean that. They didn't leave the Bible. Uh, although I think it's an interesting concept. No, just like in general, like there, you know, there is a a chance that we like animal, like just living things came from space. You know, so there's a chance. You know, I'm not saying humans because humans evolved from other beings, but like, what if we, what if just mankind just like came from another another planet? You know, billions of years ago, but we suck so much. That the gods, like, you know, washed our brains, restarted us, and shipped us to Earth, you know, to for us to begin again, you know? It's like, if I can compare it to anything in particular, it's like, have you ever seen the movie Sky High? I actually haven't. Oh, well, it's it's a movie from the 2000s. It's a nostalgic movie for me. Um, so in the movie, you know, they're superheroes, but, like, this, the villain has a baby gun. And the baby gun, he shoots, like, the parents, and the parents turn into babies. That's kind of what I expect it kind of to be like, you know? Like, these aliens, is, they, pre- they they sprayed the whole planet with this, like, I don't know, this type of, like, spray, like, bug spray almost. And everyone just turned into, you know, microscopic organisms and planted it on this asteroid. This asteroid hit Earth, blew out the dinosaurs, and here we are. <laughs> well, that's an interesting concept. I think there's a lot of validity to it. Personally, I subscribe more to the uh, the scenario that's presented in the uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where okay. basically the premise is we're a bunch of monkeys living on a rock, and there's these advanced alien races out there, and they've simply decided that we weren't worthy of contact. <laughs> until they decided to build an intergalactic highway bypass in our sector of space and just decided to destroy our planet. And that's what the unidentified flying objects are in those videos? Those things that are just slowly coming to Earth? (laughs) They're like, all right, well, looks like that's going to have to go. That's going to get in the way of our interstellar (laughs) on-ramp. I kind of like the conspiracy where it's like, uh, the aliens are, are aware of us, but they like we're we're so stupid and we're so just like insignificant that they just haven't even they're just like oh they're just like monitoring us or just studying us like we study like fish or fucking 
microorganisms and shit. It's like, oh, look at this peasant. Look at, this, look at these. Look what these animal things are. You know. Well, let, let's talk about Alex Jones, right? His, his simulations. What? What if we are a simulation? What if we are a simulation and there is a god, but we're actually an alien's fourth grade science project and like they built us as a simulation got like a c plus and we're actually just in a, a simulation that's sitting in a shoebox in somebody's garage somewhere huh huh well, what if we were a c plus science project you know there's no proof that that is real but they're also there's not any proof that could be found that that is true Took a very long time for that truth to unfold. But I see you as an innovator and uh, a master of thought. So if that's a real possibility, it could be. Could well, be. just just while we're throwing out crazy ideas, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we are in a simulation. I mean, just think about it, you know? Go back 10 years and think about if we said this. Donald Trump is our president. And um, they just confirmed UFOs. And, you know, as early, I think this week they, they, you know, this is a little misleading, but, you know, there is evidence that could suggest that there is a parallel universe where time moves backwards. Imagine. Now, they didn't confirm it, but, you know, there was this, um, the way they measure a certain fucking, I don't know, universe shit, they saw that this was going upside down in it. I don't know. You have to look it up. I'm not your source for information. Um, but anyways, I was thinking about it. The way it sounds, if time was working backwards, that's like, that's literally Benjamin Button. Oh yeah, could you could you imagine having to speak backwards your whole life? Well, would it be working? Would you be talking backwards, or would it be like aging backwards? What if you're just like like the you know talking backwards? Essentially, if time is backwards, then you're just talking normal, right? So if you're aging, I think about if you're aging backwards, then you're you're going from like. Say I die at 100, so like I would be 79 in a parallel universe because time is working backwards, right? My, you follow? I, I feel you. I feel you. Kind of. That's if that's the case. Like, it's like as if like our our lives are playing backwards. So like we're born dying, and then we just slowly, you know, you know, the opposite of decay. We kind of just. We slowly get healthier and younger and better so, looking, and so then you out of a coffin. You get up. <clears throat> you get walk. up, start walking around. Start, <laughs> you know, just growing friends. You know, <laughs> you know. And then eventually you end up. Eventually you you end up slipping into a vagina for the final time. <laughs> well, I was think I actually was talking about this with my sister earlier. It was just like, would you? If if this was a real thing and, and the Benjamin Button theory applies, like, would you end being born, or would you end?
being a sperm or a fer a fertilized egg, an embryo. Oh, don't even get me started on when does life really begin? I I knew where this conversation was going, and I was hoping you wouldn't take it there. <laughs> is that well? Is it's a real so, question that we got to be asking. When does life really begin? Well, I'd I'd like to hope that life doesn't begin as a nut. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's. I mean, they're cells, and when they're when they're inside of sex organs, they they know how to operate in there to kind of know how to fertilize an egg, or at least one of them does. Well, so is your skin, right? I'm scratching my cells right now, but. What, well, uh, your cell, your cells make up you. So realistically, your hair cells, your skin cells, sex cells, are all what make Louis Sands Louis Sands. Right? Yeah, but I, I wouldn't consider a piece of my skin or a hair follicle to be it, its own separate entity or its own separate life, right? Well, do, does your brain cells make up your brain? See, that's that's the age-old metaphysical debate that everybody's been getting their panties in a bunch about since, you know, pretty much the beginning of time. And I don't really think I'm qualified to answer that. Young philosopher Louis. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, are we really just a collection of electrical impulses flowing through a bunch of neurons? Like, are we really just... Are we just some... Is, is all that we are just some biological programming that's been developed through millions of years of evolution flowing through a bunch of cables in these meat computers that we're walking around in, or are we something more than that? Are, are we a soul? I mean, I don't know. I like to think that I don't have a soul, but. Oh, you definitely do. You never, you never know. Nobody wears a banana suit quite like you. Thank you. <laughs> um, now, when I when you think about like if we're just souls, then are we, you know, would that opens the question of afterlife? And if we're just a, if we're just a sack of you know, a you know certain collection of souls, or if each new life is like an is a new soul, you know, do you think we're? I, I'd like to think that we're all our own sort of you know, body that we encompass and we are who we what makes us you know but with the with the sake of reincarnation you're essentially just a recycled soul yeah i i think that you know there's there's a certain credence to be had in that theory right i mean buddhists think that life is suffering and that the ultimate goal is to reach a state of nirvana where you don't have to be reincarnated and go through all this bullshit again um, you know, and then you got the, uh, the Judeo-Christian idea of there being a God out there and he's just, he's looking into our bedrooms, he's judging us on our every actions. And then if we've been bad boys, we <laughs> get sent to the, uh, the eternal S&M dungeon where we, uh, you can't even say what you're about to say right now. You're just fucking, you just know you're being fucking crazy. I'm being facetious right now, right? No, continue on. <laughs> but, right, so you either end up in the eternal S&M dungeon or you end up with in a cloud with 
a bunch of little cupids flying around your head. I don't know. I think I think we're more of just a collection of desires, impulses, responses to stimuli floating around in these uh these meat computers. It's like what Not... Pink Floyd says, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year. See, that's that's my take on things, but that's not very cheery. So I, you know, I don't think there's any way of confirming whether or not there's an afterlife or if I really am going to hell or not. So uh, in my opinion, the only sensible thing to do is to live the best life that you can, be proud of who you are, do what you want, and uh, try not to conform to other people's expectations of you. Yeah, it's really common in our society to do that, though. How do you, how do, what, what do you do in order to, to avoid that sort of framing? Well, I think it's very important to get in touch with your values. And by that, I mean, what truly matters to you, not what other people tell you should matter to you, right? Focusing in on what's, what truly matters to you and living in accordance with that, you got to, you got to know what your principles are. You got to know where to draw your lines and set your boundaries. And you got to strive towards building what you want in your life every single damn day. Because if you let, if you let things just happen to you, other people are going to make your decisions for you. And trust me, they're not going to be in your best interest. Sounds a bit nebulous, but that's, uh, that's my personal philosophy towards life. And you know, people people judge you for it, right? You you know about my extracurricular activities, and you know if I were just to mention it to some random person at BU, I'd probably... or just in general, you know, outside of just BU. Yeah. Some people, you know, people hear, you know, um, you know, sex parties and you know, po uh, polygamy, and uh, it it's 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 polarizing. It's controversial. It's not politically correct um well i think i think there's a lot of misunderstandings going around where people aren't necessarily interested in learning the intricacies of what you believe um everyone's so caught up in being right that they don't necessarily care about what exactly it is that the other person has to say um i don't know where i was going with that it's been a long day. <laughs> um, do you mind if we explore uh, polygamy a little bit and describe how you how you got into that sort of thing and like your you know your philosophy going in and what it, what it's been you know how, how you know. Well, I'm I'm not polygamous. Um, I am polyamorous. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. And you know, in in my personal opinion, I think there's nothing worse than pretending to be monogamous and entering into what's supposed to be a committed relationship only to turn around and betray that other person's trust in you. Whereas if you're honest with yourself and your partner about what your needs are in life and you find someone who's, you know, who's accepting of that and maybe has similar needs, then, uh, you know, you can skip all the bullshit and work on working together to 
to build the kind of life that you two want rather than just going through the motions of getting that white picket fence and pretending to be the perfect couple. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> Bill Clinton. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> uh, I was low-key throwing shade to Mr. Bill Clinton. Oh, oh Lou. Well, I feel like we should probably wrap up soon. I feel like this this has been rock it's been rocking for like an hour and a half now, I think. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. So do you have any uh wise words to say to our audience? Um No, but uh maybe I should consider buying a Hummer. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Good call, man.